This podcast is being brought to you in part by the veteran-founded Hero Soap Company, located in Phoenix, Arizona. In today's environment, we must be aware of the products we apply to our skin. As a two-time cancer survivor, I cannot afford to take chances, and I use these products myself. The soaps will leave you feeling clean and refreshed. All the products made by the Hero Soap Company are made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients sourced from companies in the United States whenever possible. The products are made in small batches to ensure high quality and contain premium essential oils and fragrance. All Hero Soaps are created without synthetic colorants, parabens, and sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and are cruelty-free, meaning these products are not tested on animals. Each 5-ounce bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona, and the body wash is available in 8 ounces with such refreshing scents as the woods, tea tree, lavender, the fields, bourbon, lime, the pines, and arctic. You will absolutely love this soap. Please also check out their gear for sale. All the products are reasonably priced. Being veteran-founded, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. Over 1,200 bars have been sent to our deployed troops. Please check out their website, HeroSoapCompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products. When ordering, use the code RAP for a 10% discount. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook group, page, and the podcast Instagram. Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with wrap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. Before we start, I would like to thank all our listeners, our sponsors and supporters that have helped to make this podcast so successful. The podcast is being heard in all 50 states, all provinces of Canada and over 45 countries around the world. The podcast has just been ranked by Feedspot as one of the top 35 overcoming adversity podcasts from thousands of podcasts on the Web and ranked by traffic, social media followers, domain authority and freshness. Once again, thank you all so much. And if you would please share the podcast with your friends and family, that would be so much appreciated. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is K.K. Robbins. Over a decade ago, K.K. sold her car, her home, her man to head abroad and fulfill her dream. A true travel savant, KK has covered over 100 countries on seven continents, sharing a concise vision with thousands of wanderlusts just like yourself. From must-see villages in Provence to the ideal California road trip, a New Zealand wine tour, or which cruise itinerary has the easiest ports wherever and whatever your travel ideas, she will enlighten you with clear and decisive answers. Welcome, KK, to the podcast. Thank you, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so exciting to have you here. Such a well-traveled person. We're going to learn a lot about travel. So let's absolutely. So let's start from uh, before you entered the world of travel. Uh, tell us about your life. What was it like before that? What were you doing? Oh my goodness. Well, I I was an early starter. I have I'm the oldest of four and raised two of my siblings. I married young. I had two uh, daughters very young. So I was a young mother and. Uh, you know, kind of lived that life for probably two decades. And then about the time I've always been an entrepreneur since I was really, I'd probably say 10 or 12. I mean, I was the one, you know, with the lemonade stand and, and uh, always 
uh, planning how to how to make my next buck, so to speak. <laughs> but love it, love uh, it. so that's definitely in in my in my in my bones always. Uh, it took me years to figure out that just because I could do something didn't mean that I needed to do it because I would get bored. I'd want to move on, and so it's interesting because I think back in that generation, it you come off as flaky or uh, you don't know what you want to do. Uh, now they have an actual term for it called multi-hyphenate. And I love it. I love that I'm not flaky and, and I can't <laughs> figure my, myself out anymore. I actually have, you know, a, a label that I, that I can get behind. But yeah, basically, what, what, was I just, what was that term again that you used? You'll hear it now all the time, Ron. It's called multi-hyphenate. And it means that, you know, yeah. you're not just one dimensional. There's a lot that you have to offer and yeah. uh, a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you can remember it used to be that if you're an actor, you needed to stay in that lane. How dare you then try and be a director or a producer or uh, a writer? And that was, I think, just the way that, you know, we were brought up. You choose your your path and that's where you stay. And I never really bought into that. And I think, you know, now you use that example of, of an actor. They can be anything. They can, yeah. they, they can do all sorts of things. And that is essentially the multi-hyphenate. And so I was one of the OG multi-hyphenates and always had an idea and, and wanted to pursue it. And then I would, in my mind, master it and move on, or I'd fail and move on, which, whichever it was. Uh, but travel has always been something that uh, wasn't just something I was interested in. It was something I actually needed. It was the, it was the oxygen that I needed uh, to motivate me. And it took years to kind of figure that out. And I think accept that. And then once I did, then I launched that, that, you know, went down that lane. Gotcha. So in 2011, mm -hmm. you write your book, Life Lesson of a Liar. Right. Uh, how to become the person you pretend to be. What inspired you to write the book? And tell us about the book and, and who is the liar? We had a home building business, so custom home building business, and then lost everything. And as did many people, but what I started to notice in the, in the couple of years following that was that everyone was looking for someone else to blame and no one was really saying, oh, wow, we didn't, you know, think about how economies are ebb and flow and, 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 you know, to save enough money or, or just really just bo bottom line, be accountable. And I think that the book came from me having an aha moment. It was actually on New Year's Eve. Uh, and I sat there and I said, I have something to say and I hope people, you know, <laughs> want to hear it. And so I just sat down and for a month, I barely left my home. I just wrote, you know, these, these lessons. And uh, really, it's not about everyone always says, oh, so are you a liar? And don't get me wrong. I you know, I'm a poker player, so I can definitely lie. Uh, <laughs> but mainly it's about how we lie to ourselves. Okay. It's about how we say that it, we lie to ourselves about our own misfortunes. We make choices and decisions, but then when those things don't pan out, we're looking for uh, who we can blame. And the point of it was to inspire people to own those mistakes, own those choices, blame themselves because that's ultimately where the power lies. If you're blaming someone else, then you, uh, there's a famous quote about this, about that you give up the power to change because if it's someone else's fault, then how can you change it, right? Only right, they can right. change it. But if you actually uh, look at where it was that you made the choice, then suddenly it's completely in your hands to, 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 you know, uh, right the wrong or, or to accept the mistake, to learn from the failure, whatever it is. And at the time, all I could think of was I haven't done anything criminal and I don't owe the IRS. So we can start again. And that's really where that all came from. Unfortunately, um, my marriage ended, uh, I think a lot having to do with that, uh, that time and us losing so many things, uh, great person, great man, uh, we all love him, but uh, just wasn't for me. And so I had to move on. So right. all of this was happening at that time. Now, I didn't write this book because I was going through a divorce or anything. It wasn't driven from that. It really was. I've always wanted to help people find um, 
their destiny, find what path they're meant to be on. Because I firmly believe, and if you read the book, you'll, you'll, that's very simple uh, message, which is we are always looking outside of us to find the answers of who we are and where we're supposed to be going. When in reality, we all carry those answers inside of us. Uh, we are, we all know what it is. Our soul knows exactly what we're supposed to be doing, but we never listen to it or we rarely do. Uh, we're always looking outside and, and, and also just wanting to do what we think will make us happy. And um, so, yes, yeah, so that's where that, that book all came about was uh, learning how to not lie to yourself um, and also to, to be the best version of yourself. Let me take a very brief moment out to alert all our patients and caregivers out there that rare patient voice a supporter of the podcast is paying for your input. Patients 16 years and older and caregivers, family and friends of any disability, disorder, syndrome, illness, or condition have the opportunity to express their opinions through surveys and interviews to improve medical products and services. Who knows your journey better than you? Rare Patient Voice puts you in touch with researchers who are developing products and services that can help you and others with your condition. These researchers need input of patients to develop products and services that have significant impact on patients' lives. Over the past nine years, Rare Patient Voice has paid patients over $10 million. When you join Rare Patient Voice, you may be invited to participate in interviews, surveys, or online communities where you will share your insights. Rare Patient Voice usually has hundreds of studies running at any time, so there are many opportunities to participate. You will earn $120 per hour for participating in these studies. By making your voice heard, you are a catalyst for change. Rest assured, your input will be used to help other patients like you. There is no cost at all to you, the participant. You can get more information and sign up by clicking the link in the sponsor's notes. That's what it was. Okay, well, that's 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 great. And uh, uh, you were nice enough to send me a copy of the book. I, I did enjoy reading it. And uh, it's something uh, that I espouse as well. Thank uh, you. Exactly what you were saying. You know, it, it's it's up to us. We can't just externally blame others all the time. We have to take responsibility. Yeah. Uh, over a decade ago, you sell your home, your automobile, and it yeah. says your man... Okay, I guess I guess that was your husband, uh, to, yeah, to, or or whoever it was at the time. I uh, was at yeah. a point to, that I could that I could start going. I was free to head abroad and fulfill your dream of traveling and living a different lifestyle. What gave you uh, the courage to do that? Because a lot, I'm sure there's tons of people out there that would love to do that, but they just don't. So, what gave you the what gave you the courage to do it? I actually, I, I love that you poised the question that way because it, I get this question a lot uh, or, or actually just a comment of, oh my gosh, I would love to do that or I could never do that. And the, the truth is that it really is a conscious choice to say, what is holding me back from doing this thing that I know is going to ultimately just make me feel so alive. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna give me all of the feels that I've been wanting to feel. How do what what is what is standing in my way? And I think our knee-jerk reaction is to immediately say, I can't do that. I can't afford to do it. I can't change my life enough to do it. But that's where I really started to notice that I was holding on to things and literal things, right? Uh, possessions that ultimately were, I was collecting those because I thought they made me happy. And I think we do, a lot of us do this, especially women. Uh, we buy things or we hold on to things because we, that gives us security or it makes us feel happy when we have them. And so it's hard for us to believe that if we let go of them, that we could also still be happy. And I knew that I ultimately just wanted to go. I wanted to keep discovering, discover, discover. So I said to myself, if I were moving to uh, the time, I think I thought Tuscany, right? Like in my mind, if I'm going to move abroad, I'm going to move to Tuscany. What am I taking with me? What is important enough to take with me? And it was amazing how little I really needed. So I went around with my iPhone and I took pictures of all the things that meant something to me. And now I had a collection of those photos. I didn't actually need the physical item. So that was the first step was being willing to let go of so many things. The, uh, the second was just, 
yeah, just making that choice of saying that it's going to be hard, but this is what I want. And to do that, I have to, I have to let go of um, these ideas and these, these physical things. And once I did, then it was really quite easy to just say, I'm going to do this. And, and, and I mean, you know, yeah, it's, then you find a job and you do the, you do the other things, but it's, it's all the first step is just saying, I'm going to let go. I'm going to change the way that I have thought about um, things and my life. When you let, when you let go of those, those possessions, Mm -hmm. did you feel a lot of weight off your shoulders, like some freedom from all that? For sure. Uh, You absolutely do. And I think, I think it's also a matter of uh, trimming the fat. I think a lot of us did this during COVID where we started really thinking, do I need cable? Do I need this? You know, what, what are the things that I have to have to, to, uh, to live and, and be happy in my life? And I think that suddenly all of those things, even day-to-day activities were replaced with new experiences. And so I can tell you that I didn't miss any of it. You suddenly are replacing, you know, these, these things with these experiences and it's incredible. Yeah. So how did the journey uh, of traveling start off? Uh, Did you first go foreign or did you go domestic? Uh, No foreign. And I I will tell you what happened was I originally, because I had always uh, been a, a business owner I thought, okay, what business can I create where I can be abroad? And I was uh, doing public speaking at the time, really would have loved to have done maybe some retreats to take uh, groups of women over to the south of France or to Italy. And at the same time, kind of tie in my book and and uh, help them to to, you know, break free and and be the, the person they're longing to be. So that was my idea at the time. But I happened to be sitting uh, with a girlfriend in um, in the lobby of or at the bar at a Ritz Carlton in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and she said, "You know, you should get on a cruise ship." I said, "A cruise ship?" I said, "I've never even taken a cruise. I have no desire to be on a cruise ship. I have fear of being trapped. No, no thanks." But the, and we laughed it off, and then the idea stuck. And the next day, I start googling. I send a couple of emails. And bottom line, three weeks later, I was on a ship and it was crazy. So the, I didn't even know that the, you know, position existed. And then I kind of got on board. It wasn't really the right position. It was more of a marketing position, but while I was there, in fact, I wanted to walk off the very first day, but while I was there, I said, you're here, let's make some connections. Let's see what's out here. Let's see what this world is all about. This is a, this is an adventure all on its own. So I, I stuck it out for a while and saw the position I wanted. And uh, that was as a destination speaker where you uh, are on stage speaking to all the guests that, you know, come in and, and want to know more about the next destination, the next port that the ship is going to. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm well-traveled and this is, this is perfect for me. One caveat, I was well-traveled for an American. Uh, once you're thrown into this and you start realizing uh, how well-traveled some of these people, as you mentioned, you've been to over 60 countries. So I was coming face to face with people who have been traveling for 20 years or, you know, uh, and so I, I had to, I was thrown into the deep end, let's just say, but I am a very hard worker and I, the ultimate in being a professional and also have a lot of pride. So I, just crammed. I'm a, a great studier and also just hit the pavement of every single port until over the years I became uh, known for that and and loved it. Really, really uh, loved that uh, opportunity. I moved into always doing that as a destination speaker, but that role evolved over the years. Uh, yeah. And so then I became, you know, had other responsibilities, more managerial responsibilities, head of departments, things like that. Uh, but ultimately, my passion and anyone who knows me knows that it's to share these places and give people the courage to to go to any place, whether it's a cruise port or it's anywhere in the world, give them that um, 
that insight so that they go and they find the best day possible. Well, the next question, let's break away from the podcast for a moment to tell you about a great program available for those needing relief from muscle tension and joint tightness. The course is Hyperbolic Stretching, the Science of Muscle Geometry and Reflexes. Discover the eight-minute flexibility and mobility routines that can relieve your muscle tension and joint tightness in the next 30 days, regardless of your age, body type, or current physical condition. This program has been enjoyed by over 750,000 beginners and athletes worldwide. Splits, forward bends, back bends, full squats, and the ability to interlace your fingers behind your back are displays of natural range of motion we all had as infants but lost it for various reasons over time. There are many causes of muscle stiffness, ranging from lack of physical activity, incorrect way of sitting or standing, hard physical work, and heavy strenuous exercise. Unfortunately, sooner or later, muscle stiffness often manifests as pain, especially in the neck, lower back, spine, shoulders, or hips. Proper stretching is the best non-invasive solution that can help you get back to living a pain-free life. What's more, it can even get you in great shape so you can restart your active life. This science-based stretching program doesn't require more than eight minutes per day, and it doesn't only develop your flexibility, but your muscular strength as well. You can save a lot of time with this program because there is no need to travel to gyms or yoga studios. You can follow the program while watching TV or listening to your favorite music. Here's some facts you didn't know. You'll gain more flexibility when you train your central nervous system instead of merely trying to stretch your muscles. Stretching the same muscle every day can actually decrease your flexibility. Three times a week is optimal frequency. Some of the main benefits you'll enjoy from this program are reduced stiffness and tension, improved posture, improved circulation, reduced post-workout soreness, improved sleep, better running, cycling, and golf, reduced back, hip, and leg pains, increased bladder and bowel control, and injury prevention. This program offers a 60-day money-back guarantee if for any reason you aren't happy with the course. The program sells for the unbelievably low price of $27, and you get lifetime access to the program. Click the link in the podcast notes for more detailed information about the course and to order it. The question I have for you, you kind of answered it a, a little while ago, but I'm going to rephrase it. What concerned you the most about leaving your previous lifestyle and going on the road? Um, oh, goodness. That's a, that's a great question. I would, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that there was, I, I would say money, money for one. When okay. I found out what, uh, what I would be paid, I remember that my first, uh, thought was, can someone live on that? And I know that sounds so arrogant. It wasn't, I mean, we're talking, it was, it was really, really low, but then you realize that was kind of one of the, 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 purposes of letting go of all the possessions was not just, oh, I need to let this go. It was also just so that I had no bills. And I remember that when I finally got everything taken care of, I think that I had a cell phone and maybe health insurance. And that was it. Like I, it, it my food was covered, you know, yeah. all of these things. So you start realizing, and I think that was the most uh, rewarding thing for me, other than the actual travel was learning how little you, you really need. And, um, yeah, that was, that was very freeing. It was very, very freeing. So as a destination speaker, you've spent over 2000 days at sea. Tell us yes. about living on a cruise ship. What is it like? Woo! Uh, well, it's, it's small. I was fortunate. It, it really is a floating city. And as I mentioned a, a few moments ago, I have a phobia of being trapped, of not in, being in control of my environment. Uh, I, I haven't always been like that. It was something that happened in the late 90s. I was on a ski lift on, in Vail, Colorado, and all of a sudden I just wanted to jump off of it. I didn't like that I was trapped there. Um, psychologist told me it was something to do with being trapped in my marriage at the time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but... I have learned to control that in a way, or, or at least accept it. And so the idea that I would get on a cruise ship and be quote unquote trapped was the first thing that my sister said to me, are you crazy? Like you, th you're going to, you know, you're, this is not yeah. for you. And I remember the very first, uh, the first time I was on the ship, um, first time I was ever on a cruise ship was 
after I'd signed a contract to, to join. And I walked on board, it was in uh, New York City and we were leaving. And I remember thinking, Ooh, okay, you know, I'm gonna feel that anxiety, it's gonna be okay. And honestly, we pulled away and something about the size of this ship and the power it had to just pull away from that dock, pull away from that beautiful, you know, magnetic city and then suddenly we're sailing past the Statue of Liberty. And I will tell you, Ron, it never, not, not a single moment of panic came over me. Only that feeling that I had done what, as you mentioned, most people would never have the courage to do. And yeah. so for me, that was enough. And that's also where the drive to kind of help other people find their own path uh, and their own courage to do what it is that they are, they're longing to do and, and won't give themselves permission or uh, maybe feel like for me, for years, I had family obligations that made me feel like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So we all have our reasons, uh, but no, I living on a cruise ship to go back to your original question or being on there yeah. uh, is exhilarating. I never got to have that college experience with the, you know, uh, maybe a sorority or your friends. And I, I never had any of that. So for me to, that's a, really what it's like, except that it's not that age group. You have people that are on board that are, you know, in their dancers in the, in the cast that are maybe 19 or 20. And then you have in cadets that are, you know, going to have take their career uh, in the deck and engine department that are also, uh, you know, 19 or 20 years old, all the way up to uh, someone who might be selling our future cruise departments that are in their 70s. And we're all hanging out, uh, having a drink, uh, you know, after after work, not the under 21, of course, but the, you know, we're all hanging out there together. And you never look at each other like, oh, how old are you? So that was the first thing I noticed was that it's so inclusive. And you're talking about over 30 nationalities on each ship that are all getting along, which I think is uh, telling for us just in the world of what we could actually really be doing. So it's like a family. It's, it is absolutely a family. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just like all families, sometimes you don't like all of your family members. Right, uh, right. But but you know, but you, but that's something you have to accept. I mean, it really is quite, uh, yeah. quite a refreshing uh, experiment. Uh, the cabins themselves, I was in a position where I fortunately always had a cabin to myself. That would have never been something I, I'm just way too old for uh, sharing a room with someone. But of course, most do uh, and know that going in. Uh, but you know, the, it, you you just don't even think about that you you have the world uh so having a small room or uh, a, a small amount of possessions on board uh really really doesn't matter you know when you were doing this on the ship did you ever meet uh travelers who were actually living on a ship you mean did we have guests that were yeah. Yeah. that essentially did that okay so I, the the answer short answer is yes for sure there are uh, you you know retirees that will say this is what uh, I'm going to do and they just go from ship to ship we right. also had those that had their had their homes uh, you know or they had an actual home somewhere but they were had it booked out where they were going to be on board for six to nine months not necessarily on our ship on that particular ship but they were they had it planned out to go from ship to ship different itineraries. Uh, so for sure you would have that. And then also you have world cruises and grand voyages that are anywhere from 80 days to, you know, 200 and something days. So that feels like you're living on the ship. Those people that were doing that, uh, did you ever get a chance to talk to them and just get, see what they're, did they enjoy it? Uh, you know, did they like doing that? I'm just, um, just immensely. <laughs> yeah, they definitely so. love doing it. Uh, most of them would say it was far cheaper to do that than to uh, those that had maybe given up a home. Maybe they have, a, you know, a, a, a son or a daughter where they can keep, you know, a room when they come and go. But for the most part, they had given up much like myself. And that's usually what we chatted about. They were uh, uh, in awe that I had done it at such a young age that I just, you know, ditched, right. the, ditched the property and, and, and took off. And 
So we always had that in common, but uh, I think that they realized that it was, they would always say it's, Oh, it's way cheaper. Uh, all my food is covered and, and entertainment, uh, you know, all of those kind of things. And, and there is, there's always something going on, going on. And then there's many of them wouldn't even get off in port because it was like, Oh, I've been here. I've seen this. It's, yeah. it's fine. They were there for the social aspect of it. And, um, to sit out on on deck and watch you know the world go by or you know to, to have I, a, a, an ocean view you know 24 hours a day things like that i know you know some people were telling me that well you know what i'm healthy i i could live in like a not a nursing home but like an assisted living or mm -hmm. something like that i'd rather live on the ship you know and it's cheaper absolutely so, yeah absolutely for sure, for sure. If, if I if if it was a retirement community or or a cruise ship, it would be that. I would definitely go with the ship. And yeah. you know, I get the question a lot, Ron, about um, especially a younger generation of oh, cruising. Oh no, you know, and they just imagine uh, that it's it's like that, like it's a retirement home. And of course, there are uh, a lot of older people that are on cruise ships because they have the means and the time to travel. So that's where you're seeing that. But we're definitely seeing a shift in, uh, you know, first of all, you have uh, Virgin Voyages. So that's a, a much younger demographic that they're going for. River cruising is trying to go for a younger demographic. But it is, it's to me, the most economical and easiest way for you to um, get a taste of different places. So it could be the Caribbean, you go down there and you go to seven islands or five islands, you now know which one to fly back to and actually take your family and, and spend a week at. The same thing goes for, I, my expertise is really the Mediterranean. That's where I spent most of my, my um, days on board and most of my contracts as the Mediterranean expert. And I will tell you that you can be on a 12 day cruise and hit nine different countries. You can then find out it's like they're getting a little appetizer at each, you know, at right. each restaurant and finding out which one you want to go back and invest an entire meal. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at it that way and never only having to unpack once, um, it's uh, it, it really is, I think, a hidden gem of a way to travel that uh, most of our younger generation doesn't quite realize. Now, a life of traveling. Uh... <laughs> KK presents a litany of issues to deal with, such as jet lag, uh, loneliness on the road for some, travel delays, lost luggage, uh, unwanted advances uh, for women, just to name a few. How do you handle, uh, what advice do you have? How do you handle that or combat that? I think just, uh, I, I'm going to use an Audrey Hepburn quote here, Ron, and that is, it's one that I live by. I read it. I always adored Audrey Hepburn. And I read a, a, a biography or an autobiography, I think it was biography, uh, about her. And one of the, she actually grew up uh, in very um, difficult conditions and during the war. And one of the things that she, as someone said, you're always happy. Uh, how have you, you know, maintained such a positive attitude? And she said, well, I kept my expectations low. And so therefore I was rarely disappointed. And obviously we all need goals and we shouldn't just be expecting the least, but the message there was that most of us have these expectations and when they're not met, uh, then, then it's, it's ruined our day or it's ruined our experience. I can tell you, I have lost plenty of luggage. I have been without things. I actually just had an experience last week where there was flooding uh, in Santa Barbara and that's where I was meant to go. And we, turned lemons into lemonade and, and made some, you know, uh, some different choices. We actually bought tickets and went to Hawaii. So, so you, you have not to, bad. You have to not, not, not yes. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, which everyone was like, what? And you do, I mean, it's probably the last thing I should have been doing and, and you're spending money and, you know, things that you probably shouldn't do, but we needed to do something. It was a celebration. And so the point is that when you're out, these things are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and this is something I would always uh, say from the stage when we were going to maybe more difficult uh, destinations, uh, for instance, uh, through Egypt or some more dangerous uh, places. 
or even a place where I know that they're going to be bombarded as they step off the ship with, you know, uh, kind of hagglers and trying to, you know, just, it's very stressful. It's all about being anticipating it. And then also, uh, managing your own expectations of what you're, you're, um, you're wanting. And I will say in defense of, uh, Americans in particular traveling, we, most of us, obviously, um, withstanding, uh, get only a couple of weeks off a year, if that. So when we travel, when they travel, they want, you know, we're wanting our vacation to be perfect from the yeah, moment that we leave absolutely. our house, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we show up at the, the first American airport and something goes wrong, the line's too long, that this, we're, immediately our vacation is starting off on the wrong foot. And yeah. I get that. Like, the, there, you're just so there. wound up. <laughs> yeah. You're so wound up. Uh, and and so no matter where I'm traveling, obviously a lot of my time has been uh, in the cruise world. But when I wasn't on the ship, because sometimes it, I would only be on maybe six to eight months a year. The rest of the time I was traveling. I would rent a place in the south of France, which is hands down one of my favorite places to be um, or spend a month with my best friend in Amsterdam. I mean, I have had, had my little places all over the world that I like to go. And each time was different than the last time I was there. And so if I were to go into it, expecting it to be exactly the same from the weather to the, the, you know, the place I rented, the whatever, it, then I would have been disappointed. And I think that it's just, it's really something you, you can teach yourself is that uh, embrace those things that happen because later on, they're probably going to be a really great dinner party story. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a lot of those, all the traveling we did, we, I could probably keep you up all night with stories that, that happened. Right. You, and you, I have to, you have to go with the flow. I mean, that's what it amounts to. Yeah. I mean, the best, uh, or the most memorable experiences I have had have either been something emotional, like arriving in a place that I've always, maybe had always longed to go. And then I, I got there. And so that dream was fulfilled. That would be one that always really sticks with me. But the others have been when there's, crazy mishaps and yeah. and then you've got that to look forward i mean look back on and and kind of be proud that you got through it you know yeah, so that's exactly. uh, that's that's where I, that's how i approach it but it's hard run it's hard to do that in the moment we all know that it's yeah. it's so difficult in the moment um when you feel your vacation kind of slipping through your fingertips but ultimately you uh, I'll, I'll use an example that one of my first times going to paris I did not realize that pretty much all of Paris leaves Paris in the month of August. And I was going there in August. I had I researched, this is pre-Google. I had researched, I had done everything. I had every guidebook. I had every magazine article from travel and leisure and Condé Nast to tell me where to eat. And I can tell you that maybe 10% was open. Wow. And it's better now because people actually do stick around. Uh, yeah. But I, I couldn't believe it. Like I would march to the next place and it would be closed with a sign on the door that clearly said we're not open for the entire month or something. And so then I go, and that's that I, I look back on that and realize that the best thing I could do is just embrace it. And so eventually I threw away my list and I just started walking, just started, yeah. you know, going to see. And I think that that's it, that it's great. It's great to have some loose plans uh, to, um, you know, get the most, know where to go, what neighborhoods to go to, things like that. But they really should still be pretty loose. Yeah. So when one door closes, another door opens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. KK, how has travel changed since COVID? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that was obviously a real uh, adjustment for me. Um, and, and, and everyone in my world, uh, there, I could, we could talk a whole nother podcast on, on what it was like for those that were kind of trapped on ships, uh, crew members, things like that. Uh, so it was a very personal time for me, but I will say that the great news of all of this is that it is back with a vengeance for anyone that owns a travel business or is, uh, you know, a hotel, uh, anything in the tourism sector, it is above and beyond in terms of sales and um, interest than it was pre-COVID. 
when you take something away from someone, they want it even more. So that's essentially what it was. Travel was taken from us and everybody wants it. And so all the, I mean, I rarely hear have clients that ever voice um, concern uh, over traveling or, or, or COVID in general, I think because we've all learned to be more cautious and, and, and kind of know that anything could happen, but mainly people are wanting, um, they're, they're wanting to, you know, just go and, out, and have that there. freedom. And yeah. of sp- the greatest thing is, and I will say, having said that, that I feel that Americans still are kind of sticking to America uh, as a whole. And you're seeing that in the prices of hotels and um, some experiences here. However, Europe is, that's where your dollar is. First of all, I mean, just the Euro against the dollar is, is the best that uh, uh, in the last six months, it's the best that it's been in, in years and years. So that's great. But also you are getting far more for your dollar over there. So making that investment to go over to Europe, this is the best time to do it because you're, it, 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 yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a, an amazing time. And that is what uh, I'm seeing more and more. And, 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 you know, in the industry is people wanting to have those experiences. They're also wanting to have more luxury experiences. Uh, the kind of backpacking, like I'm going to go at the cheap route is really not what I'm, what I'm seeing. People want to have the wow moments. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, everybody who's listening to this, book a trip <laughs> to Europe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, well, having, you mentioned you're going to Croatia, I think, right? Yeah, Didn't you say yeah, you're going to Croatia? Yeah, we're, think we're going to Croatia and uh, Switzerland. So, uh, both great places. Croatia, yeah. definitely your dollar will go along. And then I think we're going down to Tuscany, too. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll have to chat later about some, oh, some absolutely. of my trips. That'd be great. Now, KK, having traveled to over 100 countries, what places have made the deepest impression on you? Uh, oh, goodness. Okay. Well... I have my places that I go back to because they just put a smile on my face. Uh, and I, I try and go to them every year. I mentioned the South of France is just now ingrained to me. Uh, I typically start and stop in uh, Paris because believe it or not, I really like the immigration there. Even better would be to fly into Nice in the South of France. But the, but in, and, and I love Lake Como and, and Santorini. These are all places I have to go every year. But having said that, the places to actually answer your question of those that really have wowed me or surprised me the most, uh, the island of Malta uh, off the coast of, of Italy, which many people th- think that it's uh, part of Italy. It's actually not. It's its own country. Um, it's magnificent. It's small, but everyone should go there. Uh, I was I never really had much of an interest to go to um, South Africa and many in 2014 was able to go there and was instantly in love with Cape town and the entire surrounding area. I would love to have a month, uh, to just hang out yeah. there. That was, that was really surprising. And I think that comes from, you know, kind of our education here, uh, of what we have been taught about South Africa and, and, and the political system and Nelson Mandela and the whole thing. We, we kind of assumed a lot of things, which, we, we do with a lot of places. I mean, you know, Croatia is a perfect example of, of uh, the war that they had there in, in, um, in the early 90s and, and us thinking of it as a certain place or a certain kind of vision of it. And in fact, it's one of the most gorgeous, uh, you know, tropical, yeah. not tropical, but, med- you know, kind of that, that Mediterranean feel uh, right there on the Adriatic coast. So Croatia definitely uh, reaches in there. Um, I love Venice and, and people, I'm with you on that. anyone that says to me that, oh, Venice, you know, I don't like Venice. I just want to say, please let me take you to Venice and I'll show you my Venice and, and you'll love it. But yeah. you just got to get out of the, you know, the main, the main path and, uh, Venice is like nowhere else. It's like new Orleans. There's nowhere else like it. And so yeah. you, you have to go. Um, I was, uh, there's a little Island off I love New Zealand. New Zealand is another place that is, is really stunning on this side of the world. We typically lump Australia and New Zealand together. They are not at all, uh, uh, of course. Right. Uh, and Australia reminded me a lot of 
America and, you know, in terms of just the way of life, et cetera. Um, it didn't, I loved seeing it, but it didn't give me uh, that much of a wow. Whereas New Zealand, the topography there is yeah. absolutely uh, stunning. And you really are getting something completely different than what we have here. Yeah, so I was in New, I was in New Zealand. I agree with you. There's just snow covered mountains everywhere. It, it it's, it's great. I mean, it's it's from north to south island it's uh it really is yeah. is something uh, amazingly special and then just the nicest people so uh yeah that's great now which do you enjoy the most do you enjoy cities or countryside or mountain areas or beach areas mm, what city and what countryside i would have to say uh it really just depends i love them both and it also depends on who i'm with uh but i yeah i love the energy of the city um, I, I used to spend a lot of time in Las Vegas. I would spend like two or three weeks there and people go, how on earth could you spend two weeks in Las Vegas? And I said, well, I just do it differently. I'm not going out to a club and partying. I'm enjoying the restaurants. I'm going to the spa. I'm like, you know, I, I, I think Vegas is an incredible value for gorgeous hotels with pools and, 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 um, and all of that. And so it really just depends. I love the energy of a city. Um, I don't love the chaos of it. So really, that's why I say it depends on which city. Um, and then countryside also, I love, but it has to offer something. There has to be something unique there um, to, yeah, to keep keep my interest. So you took your passion for travel and became a successful global travel advisor. Explain mm -hmm. to our audience out there, that with so much information available today, why would somebody even need a travel advisor? That is a great question. And I one that I even uh, thought kind of myself as I was uh, accumulating all this information. The reality is that, um, you know, someone, uh, there's, there's something about having someone that is in your corner and has this inside information. So although you, you can, and I listen, pop online, I, I was that person where, you know, pop on, I can, I can get this, uh, no problem. But now, especially with the, uh, you know, whole COVID era to have someone that knows, uh, the, the, has the connections, but also knows the ins and outs of, of what, you know, is, is required. And then also can kind of act on your behalf, uh, that's probably the number one reason right now. But even more than that, you're still talking about, I mean, I, I have people that will say to me, really, are, are you know, travel advisors, they still exist? Absolutely. And I think people are leaning more towards that because especially, as I mentioned, so many people are wanting those luxury experiences. Um, a travel advisor has relationships with the hotels, with the tour operators, with uh, destination um, agents. And what that means is that for the same price, they're wanting, you know, they're wanting that travel advisor to continue to send people to them. So they, they have those relationships. So you're going to get perks. You're also going to get that recognition when you show up uh, to a hotel. And I think just having someone that knows those things uh, inside and out also the internet is a great place full of lots of information, but it's full of too much information. I mean, uh, I love to, it, it's, it's gone the days, as I mentioned, where you get, I used to get the travel magazines and you go through it and, you know, in that month you'd pick two or three places and see how they are and be like, wow, I'd really love to go and see that. Um, and that that's where I feel that I come in. I am, uh, someone will say to me, should I go here? And I, Many times I'm, you can pick, I can pick many places. I'm trying not to offend any places right now on your podcast, yeah. but, but they'll say, Hey, should I go here? And I, many times I take that place off the map completely and say, but if you're going to go there, then you need to go here. And I find that I find I'm doing that as well. Um, I only have, I travel incessantly and I still only have so many days a year that I can be in any given place. And so sometimes I'm there and I think, 
I could be here, but I wouldn't I rather be at this other place that I know is so much better. So for me, that's, that's my goal is always just to um, find that place that really fits uh, my clients and, 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 and help them to, to plan that, that perfect, that perfect trip. I will, I will tell our audience and, and you as well. I, I've, I've gone both ways. I've gone with a, with a group, you know, uh, where they've arranged everything and then I've done it on my own and you can do it on your own. It's just a lot of work and it's a lot of stress. I mean, just setting everything up and, and then getting there. And then, like you said, you know, something doesn't go right at the hotel. Uh, you just don't, you don't have that uh, connection that you talked about because when we were uh, with a travel group, if I didn't like my room or whatever, I just would get the travel uh, director and they would straighten it out, you know, and it was because they came back there every week, you know, right. with other groups. And if exactly. you're on your own, you know, you're kind of on your own. <laughs> it's a crapshoot what, what they're going to do for you. So, so I agree with you hundred percent. Sure. KK, what's your opinion on purchasing for our audience out there, uh, travel insurance and any tips on it? Uh, well, I think that my tip would be to, uh, make sure, first of all, any travel uh, agent, advisor, tour group that, that offers travel insurance, which they should all be, uh, you know, encouraging or offering, uh, they are not experts in that, right? They just happen to say, Hey, I, I advise you, you know, to, to cover yourself. It really, I think to me is the, the, you need to assess the investment you're making in that trip and decide. Uh, same thing kind of goes, you know, you're renting a car. Do I need that extra insurance or do I not? If I'm ever going to have a car for two weeks driving around Europe, I want the extra insurance. I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want it to go through my own insurance. I don't, uh, you know, I, it, to me, it's worth that extra um, bit a day um, to make that investment. And I feel like travel insurance, it's, it's much like that. You have to assess how, important um, your investment is to you. And then once you've done that, then you can actually contact the um, different travel insurance agencies and find out which one is going to, you know, really match you. Because if you're, it depends. If you're worried more about medical emergencies, that's not something I'm really worried about. So that's not as important to me. Uh, but there's different policies offer different um, perks or different coverages, I, I guess it would be the better way to say it. And so mm, I think maybe okay. being specific about that. But in general, uh, I, I don't ever cover, you know, a, an airfare or if, if I know that I'm going, I'm going. Uh, I'll, I'll make that. But if, if there's any type of concern, then I think that it comes up. Also, your credit cards. Credit cards offer so much trip cancellation insurance, things like that. Having those travel cards, uh, and I, in my phone, I keep a probably the best tip I have is that for each credit card, I have their um, kind of the fine print of what is included with that card uh, from their. You know, are they a primary? Um, I forget how you say that. It's either primary or secondary in terms of like their car insurance coverage. Yeah. Uh, and you want it's primary. You typically are paying more for that card, like the, the annual fees and things. But for someone who travels as much as I do, that's worth that. Uh, because that means they're never going to, they're not the secondary one to pay. They're the primary one to pay. Uh, so then that makes me not need the extra car insurance. So all of those kind of things, that you, if, you're, if you really are traveling a lot or you're wanting to travel, making that investment to figure out, um, and by investment, I mean investment of time to, to have all of that, you know, uh, figured out and then at your fingertips of, oh yeah, this is the one. So I have different, and then I even little notes in there, you know, oh, my bank of America travel card. That's the one that I use for this it's Apple. I use for Uber, like, you know, different things. Cause they give me maybe better, um, you know, returns and, and things like that. Did that answer your question? That was, yeah, yeah, it does. So <laughs> everybody out there kind of take a look at your, uh, at your credit cards and see what they cover. Yeah, you, there's so many, the so many things you're not even realizing because they're not, you know, your credit card's not sending that to you every single, I mean, once you sign up, they're not yeah. letting you know constantly. No, they're you know, not what telling the you everything. Are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for those out there in the audience who would like to gather information about being a travel consultant, what attributes, in your opinion, do they need to possess? I would 
say most of all is uh, a passion for uh, a, helping people, but also patience. It takes lots of patience uh, to help people plan trips. And the main reason is because, uh, as I mentioned, they mean so much you know, to, to individuals and, uh, whether it's a family vacation, uh, uh, so the, the number one thing is actually not a knowledge of travel to believe it or not. Uh, it's, it's that you have that you're a patient person and you have attention to detail and that you're organized. If you, if that is, you know, who you are, then you can build a business in as a travel professional. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, I uh, always advise that you then find your your niche, find something that you love, find a one place that you're passionate about, or you know, uh, if you live in an area that you uh, is is a, is a tourist destination, that could be your specialty. It can be right where you know, right in your own backyard. But I think anyone that has a passion for travel and wants to be able to travel more, or even wants to be able to share that information, the the big part of that is the business side of it. And just knowing that you're, you know, a self-starter, you, you, you know, can, and can put forth that kind of effort because the travel I've been to, what do we say? 120 plus countries. I still don't know it all. I, I still, there's still places that people will say something. And I'm like, never seen that. Wow. You know, so yeah. you're never going to know it all. Uh, what you have to have is the ability to find the answers and to um, and to be organized and diligent enough to, um, you know, have your finger on the pulse for when something does go wrong, or you know, someone has has uh, has the question, you know, how to find the answer, and that really is is what it's all all about, I think. Now, you have recently created a master class for those people who would like to launch their own travel career. Tell us more about that course. This is actually, thank you for mentioning this. This is brand new uh, and it all comes from people stopping and asking me, how did, how did you do that? Like I, you know, how did you get into travel? Because it seems like this kind of hidden uh, secret door, you know, it's like uh, Harry Potter and the platform nine and three quarters, you know, how do you get into it? it? It's right there. Like I told you, I, I, I Googled and three weeks later I was on a ship a decade ago, it, it is there. It's a matter of, um, of doing, you know, some digging. I just took that, what I thought of when people have been asking me this one day, I just, I was probably really just not that long ago, the last few months, I thought, hold on, let me, let me put this all together because I know what I would tell someone and then realized, Hey, wait, this is a class. And then thought if I, once I got all that information together, Ron, I said, if someone had had this for me or had this a decade ago, oh my gosh, I would have, you know, I would, I would, have, I would have paid a lot of money for it. Uh, and so I thought, yeah. okay, well, let's just make it available to, to people. Now there's people, it's like taking ski lessons. You either are someone who likes a group and you want to pay that price or you are someone, I'm more someone that I want private. I want you to just, I don't want to have to wait for everybody else to catch up. I want to ask my questions. And so I offer that as well. But but mainly it's just uh, a springboard to help people get all of that inside of information, whether they want to be a travel advisor, which is kind of what the, the course is about. But also if you're someone who really wants to start, um, maybe you want to start a tour business and, you know, take people overseas or or wherever. I have that inside that information and we covered that as well. Uh, so it really is the A to Z of what you need to start a career in travel and anybody can do it. It's really not that difficult. Um, it's just a matter of saying, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what that masterclass is. It's, it does. it's really to give them all that, all the answers they need yeah. uh, to then launch that. And, and you can either go group or individual on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, how, okay, okay, how can people contact you? Because people are probably going to want to contact you. What's sure. the best way to get a hold of you? Well, uh, the best thing is is to just go to, I have a website. That's my name, KK Robbins uh, with two Bs. So K-K-R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com. Okay. Right. And uh, if you go there, you uh, will immediately see, <laughs> see me uh, in, in Venice, actually. And then 
from there it's it's very clear i don't like i i don't a lot like my book i like it to be very straightforward i don't like a lot of uh extras and so uh, it's it's very clear what you can do. I think masterclass is one of the the tabs. Otherwise, it's uh, okay. if you wanted to work with me. And you know, you were mentioning about uh, travel advisors and all that information out there. And and you know, is that really still relevant? And that I will also say that one of the movements right now is for people just to hire an advisor on a, a fee basis to plan the trip and then they go and they book everything. They do everything. That's very popular right now. And you're going to, you'll see that more and more where you're basically just paying a fee much like you would, uh, you know, a, a designer of, of some kind, but any expert that can then say, oh, this is, you know, you want to take a 10 day trip in, in Italy. This is where you need to go. And this is how it should be, you know, laid out. And so that's the bulk of what I what, what I, I've kind of been doing since COVID is people knowing that I know these places and they want my insight. And so I'm seeing that that is uh, kind of the movement as well. Uh, a little bit of a, a, a new blend for, for travel advising. So you're laying out the itinerary. More exactly. But then they can go. They can book their own air. They can yeah. book their own hotel. They can do whatever, which really is, you know, my expertise, although I've stayed in some amazing hotels. I also have found some of my favorite budget hotels. I, you know, I, I, I have all of that, but right. my expertise really is in the actual destinations, right? right. It's the, which villages uh, should you in your short amount of time away from work or away from your responsibilities, where should you be putting your time? And that's the value that I bring. Yeah. And that, that's a big asset. Uh, what advice can you give people out there that want to travel but are hesitant for whatever reason, be it COVID, travel delays, whatever? What, what advice can you give them? Well, let me think about that. I would say that I think it can be overwhelming. I think travel in general can be overwhelming. It, again, circles back around to these expectations of, the, the money that you're investing, the time you're investing, uh, leaving your family, leaving your cat, your dog, you know, all of these kind of things. And I think it really comes down to um, what is it that's going to make a mark in your life? And so I'll give you, I'll, I'll take this question that you're asking and I will put it on a cruise ship because this is something that I would get, probably the number one um, thing that I would get feedback from uh, guests is that I would get on that stage and I would talk to them about where they, uh, what, what to expect and what they should, what they can do, what I would do if it were me. And I had couples that would come up and say, oh my goodness, thank you so much. You gave us the confidence to go beyond, you know, we've been to this port three times and we've we went out and had a coffee at the cafe, you know, across the street, or we took the tour, uh, you know, to the normal place. And I would give them the, those little tips and tricks on, you know, follow this path and around this corner, you need to go to the, you know, this little place. And I think that that would be what I would say, just take that small example and put it into a larger picture, a bigger picture of what are those things that, um, that you feel you're going to look on later in life and wish that you had done. So that, that in itself will give you the courage, I think, to, to go beyond, beyond those limits and, um, and to do something extraordinary. And, and also it doesn't have to be what everybody's telling you to do either. Like we all have different likes and interests and, and passions and, um, and there's something for everyone out there in the world. But I will say that, travel changes you. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, the, the more I travel, the, the more I realize I, or the, the less I know, I like to say, <laughs> even though I <laughs> gather so much information, I yeah. just keep seeing more and more and more and more that I did not know. And yeah. I realized, wow, you know, you, there's still you never so get much enough. Yeah. yeah. I want to thank you, KK, for coming on the, uh, on the podcast and sharing with us uh, the world of travel. It was truly a, pr a pleasure learning from you. 
And I hope everybody out there uh, feels the same way. Comments and suggestions uh, for the podcast, you can email me. It's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page and group. It's a wrap with rap. Instagram, it's a wrap with rap podcast. And all the episodes that are on YouTube, it's a wrap with rap the podcast uncut. I want to thank everyone for listening. And until next time, it's a wrap. <laughs>